Hi everyone. Our reading tonight is Psalm 23. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, uh, will you join me in prayer? Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are not silent, but you speak to us as the shepherd shepherding your sheep. We pray that you would lead us in right paths for your namesake. We pray that you would help me to speak clearly and well as I should and help each one of us to understand what you are saying and to respond with love and trust and joy and thanks and praise. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you've ever been in need. Uh, maybe you've lost a job, been retrenched. Uh, maybe you've been rejected uh, by people, perhaps even a close friend. Maybe you've been sick or struggled with mental health or struggled with work or study. Uh, some of you may have struggled with another language. Some of you may be even struggling as a parent at the moment especially with the HSC trials coming. I know many Australians are struggling to pay the rent and even to repay their home loans. The Ukraine war has just ticked over its 500th day. People there have no food and water. They've lost homes. They've lost lives. Today, this afternoon, our home was without electricity for two hours. And yet in Ukraine, during winter, they were without electricity, gas, heating. All of us need help. And Psalm 23 is God's special song for everyone in need. Look with me, um, including the title of the psalm, a psalm of David, first one. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The 23rd Psalm, as Beck said, was, is one of the most famous and well-loved songs of the Bible, uh, or parts of the Bible. President Bush used it in his 2001 September 11 terrorist attack speech uh, to comfort the US people. It was sung at Queen Elizabeth's and Princess Diana's funeral to comfort those grieving their deaths. And it may even be read at your deathbed or my funeral. The title says David wrote it. Well, who is David? David was a shepherd boy, a shepherd writing about his shepherd, who became the second king of Israel. And as king, he was speaking both to and for 
that is on behalf of God's people Israel, about 1000 BC, 3000 years ago. And we'll see that it's also a song, not just for people then, but for God's people now, for Christians. The first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, is almost a summary of the whole of the song. Put simply, if God, if the Lord God is looking after us, in him we will have every single thing that we need. And the rest of the song, verses 2 to 6, then unpack what it means for God to be shepherd to his people who are like God's sheep or flock. But even if you're not a Christian here tonight, let me say to you, as we read this psalm, I hope that you will see that you wish you had a God as shepherd to love and care for you in the way that the shepherd cares for his flock here in the psalm. The psalm doesn't tell us when, where or why David wrote it. But David was king when Israel was a strong nation. And so as king, he had everything he needed. There was nothing that he lacked. So why does David say in verse 1, I shall not be in one or I lack nothing? And as usual, the Bible helps us to understand the Bible. Psalm 23 comes directly after what? Psalm 22. And in Psalm 22, if you read through that, basically he says, I lacked everything. And then Psalm 23, I lacked nothing. There's been a learning moment there, hasn't there? (laughs) Psalm 22 was written at a time when David was in terrible trouble and needed help. He was hungry, he was thirsty, There were evil people who laughed at him and tried to kill him. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken, left without any help, even by the Lord God. I wonder whether you've been in need like that. Hungry, helpless, you're worried about something, can't sleep. Had people laugh at you for some reason or hurt you? David has learnt and knows that whenever we're in need, remember the Lord is our shepherd. But who is the Lord? Verse 1, the Lord is the creator. He created everything. He created you and me. We live and breathe because of this Lord. He is the king. He is the judge. He is the saviour of all. He is loving, he is trustworthy, just and good and perfect. And as shepherd, the shepherd's job was to care for the sheep, to provide food and protect them from danger. And Israel's rulers, like God, were meant to be shepherds for God's people. So David wasn't just a shepherd because he had a little stick and looked after sheep. He was a shepherd caring for God's people. Islam's Allah is never called a shepherd, nor to my knowledge are any Eastern rulers or emperors. It's unique to Christianity. God as shepherd, the Lord as shepherd, is intimately personal and infinitely powerful. 
When David says the Lord is my shepherd, it shows that he trusts God as his own personal loving bodyguard who will do anything to save and help his people. All the time that Israel were in the desert where there was no food or water, they lacked nothing, nada. God gave his people bread and meat to eat, water to drink, and clothes that didn't need replacing all the 40 years that they were in the wilderness. That sounds like they lacked nothing. God created us. He created the world. He created water, animals, plants, everything. If the Lord God is your shepherd, it's better than having the richest person in the world, Elon Musk, Wiki tells me, um, or Bill Gates is your father. I think he's number four on the list now. What's a few billion between billionaires? Maybe there's something that you really want at the moment. A partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, money, financial security, a new job because your current job is pretty stressful and you don't like it that much. Maybe better health, better marks. I'm I'm guessing those doing the trials uh, are after that. Whatever it is, if you really needed it, the Lord God would give it to you. And if you don't have it, God has a good reason why. Because if God is your God, if the Lord is your shepherd, you lack no good thing. You have everything that he's designed to give to you. Look with me at verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Here, when the sheep are tired, verse 2, God gives David and his people food and drink and rest. The image here is of peace and blessing and safety and security that God promised his people, certainly in the land, but at the end time. He restores David's soul and body, verse 3. God cares not just for our physical needs, but for our spiritual needs. And God leads David in right paths, or the paths of righteousness. How? How does God do that? By his word. The shepherd speaks. That's how he guides. That's how he leads, through his word, the Bible. And when God guides people, it's always successful to fulfill God's perfect plan. That's why it's successful, because the Lord God is Lord. He's the Lord of Lords. And it's always for his name's sake, verse 3, for his glory, to bring glory to him. Do you want success in life? I'm guessing there's, I can't see nods, but I'm, I can see mental nods. Yes, yeah. Well, let God guide you, because that's where he's guiding, to the success of his plan. God is good. He always guides people to do his will, to do the right thing. And this is important, because many of Israel's leaders, sadly, were bad shepherds. In Ezekiel 34, the bad shepherds don't care for the sick, 
They don't go out and seek for the lost. In fact, they kill the sheep and feed on them themselves. And it gives me no pleasure to say this, but sadly in our world, even some Christian leaders mistreat people. English pastor Jonathan Fletcher bullied and hurt young Christian men. Ravi Zacharias, who was that who defended Christianity and spoke to millions of people, thousands of people, used his power to mistreat women sexually. Ravi has now died. And Jonathan Fletcher is rightly no longer a church leader. One of the things I want to say tonight is that we at WBC, the pastors, especially who lead, want church to be a safe place for every single person. Church leaders, pastors, including myself, must do safe ministry training to care for people properly. And if you've got any concerns about your safety or well-being, then you can speak to our safe church team and its leader, Steve. Steve is here tonight. Steve, hand up. That's the guy to speak to and his team. The pastors here care so much about your care and well-being that they've ensured that there is an independent team there to care and look after you. They want to be good shepherds after the Lord who is their good shepherd. Look with me at verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We don't know what this valley is. It's, it, there's no geographical reference. The word shadow or the words shadow of death are literally deepest darkness. The same word that is used to describe when Job suffered so badly that he wished that he had never been born. That's Job 3. It's darkness deeper than God's judgment upon Egypt. When you see how the word is used in other places, it's, it's, it's darkness that is full with terror and evil. Pretty much it's your worst nightmare. But even in this place of the worst nightmare, David will not fear evil to hurt him. Why? Two things. One, first thing, God is with him. We see that verse four. God may not take suffering or evil away from us. In fact, God is leading his sheep through this dark, evil place. But he never leaves us alone. He is always with us. God with us, Emmanuel. Second reason why David does not fear. God's rod and staff comfort David. Verse 4. The staff was used uh, to help people walk. Some people still use a staff to walk. 
The rod was used as a weapon to, to beat or kill off any attackers that came. But that same word for rod is also used for a king's scepter within the Bible. Rod of power, the symbol of power. And so God's rod and staff remind David, who is in this valley of shadow of death, that God is king in the midst of all of that. That God is, is king, is ruling over all things. He is ruling over valleys and mountains, light and dark, life and death. And even in this worst place, at the worst of times, David will not fear. Why? Because one, God is with him. Two, God's power as king of kings is there to protect him, defend him, keep him totally safe and secure. If God is your shepherd, if the Lord is your shepherd, you do not need to fear even the worst possible thing. Be encouraged. But God's greatest comfort, which we see next, is salvation from death. And we see that in the next verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here God the shepherd has become God the host, welcoming people home. David is in God's house celebrating God's victory dinner over all his enemies, whatever they may be, of hunger, tiredness, sickness, evil, and ultimately death. And the enemy here, in the presence of my enemies, the enemy here are defeated, powerless onlookers, stripped of power, can do nothing to hurt David or anyone else in God's house, the Lord's house. We see God's salvation here. This is what the picture is. Life to the full. David's cup, verse 5, overflows. It's like an all-you-can-eat dinner or, um, or, or all-you-can-drink celebration that never, ever ends. Do you want to be there? I want to be there. <laughs> That's the place that we want to be. And God anoints David's head with oil. The word anoint here isn't the usual one that is used of anointing for kings and priests. And so we've got to try and understand what it does mean. But it's the same word that is translated in Psalm 20, just a couple of Psalms before, as treat with or regard with favour. As sheep, we all wander. We go astray. We don't follow the shepherd. We disobey God. But here we see God's favour or grace to forgive us. So he sees us no longer as sinners worthy of judgment, but as perfectly righteous, totally pleasing to him. How can we be sure that the meaning is treat with favour? In verse 5, the anointed, he anoints his head with oil. 
How do we know that that's the meaning? Look at the context. The very next verse says this, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Does that sound like favour to you? It sounds like favour to me. Do you see how the Bible helps us to understand the Bible? Do you want to be there? I want to be there. It literally says only good and God's forever love will not follow me, but pursue me, chase me, run me down, overtake me. That's how much God cares for you. Nothing bad, only good. God's goodness and love towards us will never, ever stop. That's where I want to be. I hope you want to be there. Dwelling in God's house is ultimately the end time joy of being with God and satisfied in God forever. Can you see where the Lord is leading us? Where he is leading his people? He is leading us, his people, to himself. He's the shepherd that leads people to himself. Why? Because that is where there's life. That is where there is joy. Full joy, true life, rest, all that we need found in the Lord. Now, this is David's psalm, um, and we aren't David. So how does this psalm apply to us? David was a shepherd. As a king, he shepherded God's people. He led and cared for God's people. He defeated Israel's enemies. And you would like to be one of David's sheep. Except, except if your name was Uriah. Because David didn't love and care for Uriah. He stole Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, had adultery with her, and then arranged to have Uriah killed to cover up his own sin. That doesn't sound like safe ministry to me. Does it sound like safe ministry to you, Steve? No. As good as David was, David knew that he and we need saving by a shepherd far greater than he. In Ezekiel 34, God looked and he saw that there were no good shepherds. So what did he decide? He decided to come himself, to shepherd his people, to save his people. Whenever we read the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible, we must keep looking to try and understand how it is fulfilled both in and by Christ in the New Testament part of the Bible. And the New Testament tells us two key things, at least two key, key things. Firstly, John 10. Jesus says that he is God, the good shepherd, who fulfills Psalm 23. 
Jesus not only acts and speaks like God, he takes titles like the Lord is my shepherd, that title, and then he applies it to himself. Titles that rightly belong to the Lord God, Jesus applies to himself. In other words, he is the Lord. He is the good shepherd. But how and why is he the good shepherd? He's the good shepherd because he lays down his life. He dies to save the sheep and give them not just life, but life to the full. Do you want that life? Follow the shepherd. (laughs) And that makes Jesus not just the good shepherd, because calling him good would be to truly undervalue what he has actually done. It makes him the greatest shepherd of all. The second thing that we need to know from 1 Corinthians 15, it says that our greatest enemy is it in fact the English cricket team? Bearstow and Stokes and Broad? It's not Russia. It's not interest rate rises, although many people here might see that as an enemy, nor is it poverty. Our greatest enemy is death, which cuts us off from God and all his blessing. And in the resurrection, we see what happens on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus gives us life to the full by rising victorious from death and leading us to himself as king of the world, as Lord, as the great shepherd over everything, to the house of the Lord in heaven. What will that look like? Can you imagine? We don't have to imagine because the Bible in its kindness tells us. So come with me to Revelation 7. I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's the house of the Lord in heaven. That's where the shepherd is leading us to himself. This is a picture of God's people from every nation, including the nations that are represented here. Saved by Jesus, made perfect. God's people in God's perfect place under God's loving, perfect and good rule. Why? Because of Jesus' death. Through his dying, through his sacrificial death for us, by dying and rising again, God has demonstrated that he couldn't love us any better or any more 
that he's given us himself. No more sin, no more sickness, no more sadness, no more suffering or death. Safe and secure from every possible danger. Enjoying life to the full. Totally satisfied both in and by Christ. Do you want that? Is that what you want? Yes. Well, it really hinges upon this question. Who is your shepherd? Who do you trust and follow? Let me take you to John 10 and then Psalm 49. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Now contrast that with Psalm 49. Just a few Psalms further on from 23. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves. Do you know what that's saying? The fate of those who live with themselves as king of their own lives, as boss of their own lives, calling the shots. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. If Jesus is Jesus your shepherd, he is. If you listen to and obey his voice, that's a you can work that out for yourself. You do the math in your own head. And if so, Jesus is leading you to eternal life in himself. He is the life-giving water. If you're burdened and heavy laden, he is the one that says, come to me and I will give you rest. Not just rest now, it's the picture of the end time rest. Being in the house of the Lord forever. That's the rest that he's giving. And if Jesus isn't the shepherd or king of your life, then by default, death is. And you will lose every good thing, sadly cut off from God's blessing forever. The choices are Jesus or death. I know which one I'd pick. American Todd Beamer knows Jesus as his shepherd. In 2001, he was on the United Airlines Flight 93, hijacked by three terrorists with a bomb. He managed to get to the back of the plane and call the phone operator. And she told him that the United States was under attack that two other airplanes had crashed into the World Trade Center and another into the Pentagon. And his flight might just be part of a plan to hit either the White House or the US Congress building. Todd realizing that this might be his last moments, told the operator to call his wife who is pregnant and their two children and to say to them what anybody would say to them 
if they knew it was their last moments. That he would always love them. He then invited the operator, phone operator, to pray the Lord's Prayer with him and he read a part of the Bible. Does anyone want to guess what part of the Bible he read? The 23rd Psalm. It's in the flight transcript. You can look at it. That's what he read. Do you know why he read that psalm? I think you know. He then said, Jesus, help me. And then Todd and the others tried to stop the terrorists. Flight 93 crashed, killing all 44 people on board, but thankfully missed its intended target. And Todd is now dwelling in the house of his Lord Jesus forever. I hope that you and I are never, ever in a situation like that. I truly hope that. But know this. Jesus is the only shepherd who can lead us safely through the valley of the shadow of death to eternal life in himself. Why? Because as the words of a song that you might be familiar with said, Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon and he was raised to overthrow the grave. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. If they were just my words, that would be pretty hollow. My words mean nothing. But they're not my words. Come with me to Romans 8. Paul says, I am convinced that neither life, death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is where? In Christ Jesus our Lord, the greatest shepherd. What are you worried about at the moment? Do you fear death? Ever since my mother and father have passed away, Death has been much, much more real to me. I'm the next in line. Mum and Dad are gone, like, I'm next. Hear Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Are you lost? Are you wandering? Are you backsliding? Are you burdened? Are you brokenhearted? Are you just weary and need rest? Come home to Jesus. Jesus is the great shepherd king who died to save us from death and give us 
perfect eternal life in himself forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have shown us that as the Lord, you are our great shepherd. And we thank you that when the shepherds failed to do their job, you came in the person of Christ to be the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep and to bring us where? To life in himself. We pray for those who are trusting Jesus, to keep trusting him, for those who are wandering and going astray, to come back to him, and for those that don't yet follow him and are being shepherded by death, to come to their senses and to come to Jesus, who says, come to me. We pray all of this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.